Hi, this is Sean Benson from Harvest Church in Warrensburg, Missouri. I want to thank you for joining us for this week's podcast. For more resources, log on to harvestwarrensburg.com. So this morning we have, like, as we're, I had no idea when we started out the core value series that it would take us a year to get through them. So are, are we doing okay? Like, are you, are you surviving this? Our saving grace, I think, is that there are multi, multi, multiple, they're all speak eventually, uh, topics, like, you know, 13-ish core values. And so obviously there's just a lot to say about that. And it's spanned the, the period of a year. Uh, we have two left two left. And we have Christmas and Thanksgiving, and we have all those things coming down the, down the pike here pretty quick. So we'll see. But uh, I think pretty sure that we're going to get ourselves one way or the other to the end of the year. And then we'll give you something new to eat. Does that sound all right? Yeah. You know, this morning, like those two that we have left, it's kingdom. One of them is kingdom. By the way, all of our core values are back on the core value tree. Uh, they're listed online as well, if you want to kind of dig into those or as a way of reminder. And then, of course, everything that we've done in this series is, is also now attached to it. So if you go online and look for those core values, you'll see all of these messages attached to it as well. You know, so if you need to be refreshed, then I would encourage you to go back to your YouTube and, and explore that. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, we ended with uh, the excellence, you know, kingdom excellence. You know, how many of you know that we, we need to, like, we need a little, we need a little step up, right? Like, I think just in most of my interactions with other human beings, and, and maybe it's not even in our interactions where it's like face-to-face, maybe you're doing okay with that, but maybe it's our interactions from the cab of our cars where they can't hear us already, like, but, but most of us can probably identify some areas in our life, you know, where we need to step up in the area of, of excellence. Again, this the next course bit here is going to be the kingdom, the kingdom of God. We're going to talk about that a little bit today and the revival lifestyle. So both of these core values are actually linked together a little bit. They're, they're very similar, uh, very complementary. And, and kingdom really is, is broken down into a couple of different aspects. I'm going to major on one of those aspects this morning. But the first one is, is really this. We believe here that we... Uh, all orthodox churches, if I could say it like that, that we're all a part of the body of Christ. Like, what do I mean by orthodoxy? Uh, there, are basic, there are basic tenets in our faith that we all agree upon if we're saved. Jesus Christ was the uncreated God, like three in one. I understand there's one God expressed in three persons. Jesus is one of those, the Son of God. He came to take away the sins of the world, right? Just basic foundational tenets. So for those who believe those things, how many of you know there's a wide variety of beliefs that go outside of just what I suggested there, right? And there's more to orthodoxy than what I said, but I just wanted to give you an idea. That's what we're talking about when we say orthodoxy. But there's a lot of other things that we call secondary, uh, even the charismata, uh, which would be like your first, I think it's first Corinthians, first Corinthians 12 gift list, the supernatural gift list, like uh, words of knowledge and healing and things like that. Like how many of you know that some of those things are disputed across the body of Christ, that not everybody believes the same thing. So in our core value of kingdom, what we mean is this. What we mean is that it's okay if there's a bit of a diversity of viewpoint and understanding of some of the scriptures. I wish there wasn't. It would make it a whole lot easier. How many of you know, right? It's okay that those things exist. It doesn't mean that I, as the pastor in this community, need to barricade myself and only surround myself with the people who think exactly the way that I think and everybody else is excluded from my little club, right? Uh, like everybody actually can believe something slightly different as long as we agree with the tenets of the faith. They can believe something slightly different. And how many of you know there's still brothers and sisters in the faith? Right? And, and, and so, the, so the first part of this kingdom is to say that, that we all, like all these denominations, we are the body of Christ. And it is my heart, sincere heart's desire that the church someday would put aside all of their petty differences and work together corporately in communities. I just want to, let me just throw this out there just for something to be praying into vision-wise. Like, like what would it look like if we could partner with the Baptist, Lutheran, Methodists, you know, all these other denominations in our community? Like, what would it look like if we could partner and collaborate with them? And like, I'll say it this way, like, I don't have the only perspective on our community, in fact, I'll tell you, Joel Kurtz down at the Lutheran Church has a way better thumbprint or his thumb on the pulse of the community than what I do. You know, so I need what he offers, right? 
you know, but, but maybe we've got a, a little something more in the realm of, of healing the sick and, you know, addressing some of these issues, right, that, that maybe they don't have over there. My point is to say that we all need one another. And what if we could all band together without respect to our differences to win this community, to go after this region. Like I picture a day, I don't exactly know what it would look like, but I picture a day when pastors are able to, to collaborate, to talk about like who's coming and begging for money, what, what, it, what needs do we have in our communities, what are the best ways to address those needs, and it's like what's our number one felt need in the Warrensburg and general region? Like what's the number, well we all think it's it. And we could pray about that need together. We could begin to strategize before the Lord together as churches in the community to go after these needs. You know, that, that we, could, we could strategize together evangelistically. Imagine 10 churches coming together, offering up the people to go out into the community to win the loss, right? It's like, yeah, we're praying for the sick and you're not. That's okay. We're all still here just trying to get, like, just trying to share the gospel, right? It can look a little bit different, but, and at the end of the day, it's like maybe not about trying to get butts in our own seats, but it's just getting butts in the kingdom and, like, whoever's doing the best job discipling wins, right? You know what I mean? Like, like, what would it look like if we could all, like, stop with all the squabbles and all the competition? We can join arms together for the sake of a region of the planet of which we've been entrusted. Right? And, and instead, often what we've experienced is that, is that everybody kind of has their own, their own little slice. And it's like, as long as you don't like, involve yourself in my slice, like we're all going to be good. And then there's all these individual slices, you know, and, and every church has to reinvent the wheel because they want to be the one with the divorce group and the homeless ministry and the, because we're trying to attract people to our churches, Right? <laughs> Like usually it, it just is this exclusive, we got our own thing, we believe differently than you, we're going to do our own thing, and there's just this, there's just no collaboration. I would, suge I would suggest to you that we believe that's not kingdom. And, and, and I long for the day when we can break down all of those dividing walls, be the body of Christ, and go after a community such that we see a community utterly transformed for, for Jesus Christ. Like I think this is going to be maybe the only way but certainly the best way to see the kingdom of God advance in any given locality. It's like, do you know how, I don't know. I, I'm just throwing, you know, just throwing the thought out there. Like, do you know how many Christians are in Johnson County? I, I would wager a lot. Like, what if we could get all those Christians working together in unity like Jesus prayed? You know, what a difference we could make in our community, right? It's like we've got our handful of people and we could make a little dent. But what could we do with thousands of Christians that are here, where we're spurring one another, as Pastor Todd prayed this morning, spurring one another on to good works, spurring one another on to faith, you know, spurring one another on to boldness, as Charles prayed this morning, so that we would share the gospel, so that we would open our mouths, so that we would pray for the sick, so that we would address the needs of the homeless, so that we would do the things that we see that are before us, the good works that are laid before us. Like, what would it look like if an entire community of believers was working together, strategizing together, and intentionally going after a community? Now, I personally believe that's possible, and I'd like to ask you to pray with us about that. Because again, I long for the day when what is possible becomes an absolute reality in Johnson County. So this is part of what we mean when we talk about the kingdom. Like we're all a part of the kingdom. And I think God, I, I say, I think I, the word of God says expressly that he wants us all to work together in unity. You know, uh, how many of you like ice cream? Right? How many of you like chocolate ice cream? It just sickos. Uh, and, and how many vanilla people do we have out there? Right? Okay, so, so here's what we're going to do. Like, we're going to have all you vanilla over here and all, all you chocolate people over here, and I want you to start throwing stones at each other, right? Because one of you is wrong. You can't all be right. Or, or maybe there's just different flavors that appeal to different people, and that's just going to, that's okay, <laughs> right? I mean, Jesus told us to be convinced about what we believe. He didn't say to go after and, and demonize everybody else who believes something different, and yet somehow, this is where we've arrived, especially in 2023 with all the crazy social media stuff. I'm kind of over it, you know? I invite you to be over it with us, right? The second part of kingdom is this. How many of you know that you and I have been given a mandate? We've been given a mandate. We've been given a commission from God. And recently we talked about Adam and Eve and 
how in the very beginning they were given a commission. Do you remember? He said they were supposed to, to, to subdue the earth, to go forth and multiply, to subdue the earth, to rule and reign over all of the creepy crawly things upon the earth and in the oceans and so forth, right? We were to rule and reign. How many of you know that that was an original commission given by God to humanity, I, and, and we also know that that commission was corrupted by the enemy, that, that we had been given authority in heaven and earth to be able to execute the purposes of God. And, and, and God actually modeled kind of what he was looking for in the creation of this little plot of earth that we know as the Garden of Eden. He said, hey, let me subdue this little piece of the earth for you to give you this little bit of a model. And let me, uh, let me commission you to take this model and to expand it across the, the planet. Planet, to take what I've done to replicate it absolutely everywhere, to go to multiply, to subdue, to rule over the earth as I've modeled to you in this section, right? But when we add something called ruling and reigning to the commission, like when the, when the commission is, I want you with the power and the authority of heaven to go and to rule and reign, what we're actually talking about is the kingdom of God, like, what is the kingdom? Do we know the definition? It's the place where God's rule and reign is asserted or where his rule and reign exists. So when the original commission says, I want you, I'm, I'm, I'm commissioning you, I'm releasing authority to you in the beginning to go to rule and reign, he's, and he's given this model of the garden. Like how many of you know he's just now ample, or he's, uh, he's, he's up the ante just a little bit. It's beyond the beautification of the earth and the expansion of the, of the plants and the beauty and the structure and the intentionality of the Garden of Eden, and he expands it again to the rule and to the, to the rule and reign of God. And so in this commission then, he's saying, I want you to go and expand my kingdom across the face of the earth. Can you see what I'm saying there? Again, kingdom is the rule and reign of God expressed in the earth, right? The king's domain. It's the place where he's sitting on the throne, Right? And so, again, I'm just reiterating, so I want to make sure you get this. So when he's commissioning humanity to go and rule and reign over the earth with the authority that he's releasing, he's literally commissioning them to expand the kingdom of God across the earth. Not just the beauty of the kingdom, but his actual rule and reign. He gave us authority to expand his rule and his reign. Insert the devil we abdicated that authority, handed our keys right over to the devil, and came under his authority. The devil, how many of you know the Bible says is the God of this world? Right? Jesus did something about it. <laughs> so we fast forward all the way to the New Testament, and Jesus, having he's redeemed us from the Adamic curse. He's redeemed us from the fall of man. Right? And so where we abdicated our rule and our authority, Jesus Christ, through his death, burial, and resurrection, has taken the keys from the enemy. And what has he done with them? He's handed them back to us. And he's actually reinstated the original commission. Let's take a look at this. Uh, we'll start out with the famous Great Commission out of Matthew 28. In verse 18. It says, and Jesus came up and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. I, I, I want you to know, like, we expect that Jesus is going to have authority in heaven, but I, but I want you to note that he's suggesting, like, all authority on earth has also been given to him. So, listen, we need, we need to understand that Jesus, as God, never lost any authority. <laughs> How many of you know he just had to snap his fingers? He could have burned it all to the ground and started over. Right? Jesus, as God, never lost authority, but Jesus in his earthly ministry came modeling something else, continually referring to himself as the son of man. He was referring to his humanity, and Jesus, the human being, was coming under, if in a sense, coming under the curse of the earth in order to redeem it. it says the curse was upon him on that cross. Right? Yeah, so when it says all authority has been given to him, it's talking about as the son of man. It's talking about in, his, in the sense of his humanity, Jesus has come sinlessly walking in our shoes as an earthly human representative, taking all of our sin, all of the wrath of God, all of the punishment, all of the destruction, everything that Adam screwed up in the beginning, all upon himself. 
and dying to it, leaving it buried in the ground, resurrecting again on the third day to absolute and total victory. And in that moment, he takes back the keys from the enemy. The keys that were, at least in part, originally given to us as human beings to rule and reign. Now he's saying, all authority on the earth has been given to me. What does he do with that authority? Next verse. Verse 19. Go, therefore... And make disciples of all of the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you even to the end of the age. I want you to think of this commission. And I would suggest this is the most accepted commission. We'll talk about the next one here in a minute. You know, but I want you to think about this in terms of that original commissioning given to humanity, given to Adam and Eve, to go forth and multiply, to subdue the earth, to rule and reign with God, expanding his kingdom across the face of the planet. Like, what does it mean to multiply? On the one hand, there's a physical multiplication, and everybody in here has experienced it, or we wouldn't be here, right? And I think, I think that's part of it. I think we are called to, in fact, I would say the Muslims and Catholics got it down, Right? Like, they, like they are raising up disciples in their own home. They have more kids than anybody. And they are literally fulfilling, in a sense, the original commission to go and to multiply across the face of the earth. So there is a physical dimension, but I would submit to you there's also a supernatural dimension. Now, supernaturally, how do we multiply? We make disciples. We make disciples. See, spiritually, God is commissioning us and, and, and I would add that, that in the New Testament, the commission, uh, that, and it probably never was separated anywhere, but I'll, I'll suggest at least in the New Testament, that the rule and reign of God and the multiplication of God are not separate. That they're actually, they're actually merged together. And so as we go forth and we multiply ourselves across the fabric of the planet, in other words, as we disciple other human beings, how many of you know we're actually establishing the rule and reign of God in those people who then will disciple and establish the rule, of reign, uh, rule and reign of God in their sphere? See, that both of those things are absolutely connected. But we're multiplying through discipleship, through intentional discipleship. Now, for those of you in our destiny groups, this is why we've incorporated these things into our destiny group programs. Number one, you can't be disciple. Well, I mean, you, on some level you can, but the basic process is this. You have to first get people saved, right? You have to introduce them to Jesus. And once you've introduced them to Jesus, then our command from God is to, is to replicate ourselves in them, to make disciples in making disciples, we're establishing the kingdom of God in them. We're pulling them literally out of the kingdom of darkness and, and establishing them in the kingdom of light. One of the ways that we get to do this is through kingdom ethics. Do we know what kingdom ethics are? How many of you know that God has a certain way? And how many of you know that God's ways are better than our ways? And it certainly beats the heck out of the ways of the world. Would you agree God's ways are superior to the ways of the world? So one of the ways that we get to do this, one of the ways that it's expressed is to, is to begin to establish the, the ways of God. Uh, some have interpreted this, and I agree with them, to say that the word righteousness actually can be defined as the right ways of God. So we're actually establishing God's righteousness in people and upon the earth. Right? This is part of the discipleship process to, to invite people into this process whereby, whereby they begin to think like God. And if they begin to think like God, they're going to begin to act like God. See, but it starts with the renewing of our minds. It starts with this intentional process of discipling them. Now, how many of you know that we're supposed to be in this world but not of this world? Ever heard that? You know, we're, well, let me just say this. Uh, that means you can't act like them. You can't act like them. You can't watch the same crap on TV. What was that? Seven layers of gray or some nonsense? You can see I'm really entrenched in the culture here. What is it called? Fifty Shades of Gray? I was close. (laughs) 
You know, recently the, there's some, uh, some vampire series, I say recently, it's been a couple years ago, maybe, actually it's been like, how old a quote, I can't even speak. It's been like 10 years ago. Wow. There was a vampire season, season, gracious. Lord Jesus, help me speak. There was a series that, that, that hit the ground running, and it's like every Christian was talking about these, this vampire series. I'm like, like vampires who are making a mockery, the blood of Christ. You know? Like, how many of you, you can't watch the same stuff that they watch. You, you can't say the same things that they say think the same things that they think. You can't act like the world. If we're going to win the world, then we can't look like the world. You understand? Like, and it's actually okay in that place if you're persecuted. I mean, the Bible says he'd rather you be persecuted for doing what's right than ultimately for doing what's wrong. Let's get persecuted for doing what's right. Let's get persecuted for being weird for being unlike the people that are around you. Let's position ourselves to be absolute weirdos such that the people that are around us begin to question, why don't you watch that series? Why don't you, you know, yell at the people in traffic? Why, why don't you gossip around the water cooler at work? How many of you know you can't gossip? I had an incident many years ago. Misty and I were taking a mini vacation in a beautiful section of, of Nepal. Uh, I feel like this Pokhara, Nepal. Is that right? Pokhara. Hey, I got it right. So Pokhara and all, but just beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. And I had this drunk come up. And, and it, I'm not going to explain the whole story, but it's, uh, it can be a very intimidating culture when you're not used to it. And they had separated my wife from me, which immediately put my like security alert through the roof, you know, and like, and this drunk guy, like people are like grabbing our bags. It was a scary, scary moment. And this drunk guy, he grabs a hold of me. Like, I mean, I'm at the height of security mode and he grabs a hold of me. And so I grabbed a hold of him and I reared back. I was just about to give him all I had. And in that moment, I realized I was saved. <laughs> And I, and I stopped, and man, I, we just, we just, we just like, we just wept. I did. <laughs> in my hotel room, I thought, oh, God. I'm like, I've, we've come here, like, this was like a mini vacation, but like, we are missionaries to this place. We're supposed to reach these people for the gospel, and I'm about to beat up this old man, you know? Like, and I'm just like, oh, my gosh. And then some guy grabs me on the street. And he says, hey, it's you. I mean, how many of you know that the worst moment is when somebody remembers you're the guy that about fried the old, you know, drunk guy, you know? And I'm like, oh, yeah, it's me. He goes, why didn't you beat that guy to a pulp? He deserved it. I said, what? He's like, yeah, we'd have backed you. We'd have drug his butt right to jail. He goes, you should have put a pounding on that old man. And like in that moment, I realized that even in my failure, I was very different to the culture. Right? So first of all, in your failure, by the way, you're very different than the culture. Good job. But how, how many of you know we are like in this world, but we're not of the world. We're different. We're supposed to act different and, and are acting different even in screw-ups like mine. People see you. They look. And the Bible says that when they see you walking out the good works of the kingdom, they'll actually honor and glorify your Father who is in heaven. See, it doesn't say that, hey, when you look just, you know, when, when the Apostle Paul says, like, I became all things to all people so as to win some, remember that, right? Like, you know, that doesn't mean, like, you're supposed to go look like the world so that you can identify with the world and, and, and try to get a few in. Like, how many of you know, like, that's a really bad plan. <laughs> it, it, it doesn't work very well. The Bible actually says the prescription is not to look anything like the world at all, but to be a total freak, an alien, you know, somebody who obviously doesn't look like they belong here because you don't. You're from somewhere else. You're from a different kingdom. You're modeling something very, very different. And it says that when you live your life in this obvious way, they will see your good works and they will glorify your Father who is in heaven. See, you don't have to look like them to win them. In fact, the Bible says the opposite. We have to look like him to win them. And when we lift him up in our lives, all men will be drawn to him. We all right?
Matthew chapter 5 it kind of says it like this, and it's talking about you. It says, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. I'll say this to you. They're going to see you whether, you whether you believe it or not, whether you're acting right or not, because you're a city set upon a hill, right? Nor does anyone light a lamp and, and put it under a basket so as to block the light. Uh, but they put it on a lampstand and it gives light to all of those who are in the house. Verse 16, this is what we've been preaching on. Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. There you go. We made it official. There's your scriptural proof. We are, in fact, representatives of another kingdom. We see the reestablishment of this commission that's upon us as well in the sense in which we've been commanded to pray. You remember the, the disciples, they came to Jesus, they're like, man, teach us how to pray. How many of you know they were seeing something in Jesus' prayer life with Father God? And they were like, man, we, like, we, we need what you have. Jesus takes it upon himself to use this as a discipleship moment, but this is what he says to them. I'm going to shorten it a little bit. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 10, he says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. See, I, I think that this, this command of God, pray like this, enter into this contract with me. Like, enter into faith over this with me. This clause in the Bible, I, I think it actually gives legs to the original commission. Because it, 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 on the one hand, it gives us the example that we're shooting for now. So I'm supposed to expand the kingdom of God, the rule and reign of God, across the face of the planet. Okay, well, well what does that look like? How do I know what that is? Well, number one, you've got to read your word. You know? But otherwise, it, he's saying, as it is in heaven, right? So heaven actually is my model all of a sudden. So he's saying, let your will be done. Let your kingdom expand on the earth. Let it happen here in this place, just as it happens in that place. So now I know what it looks like to expand the kingdom. I have a, I have a model. The model is that I'm, to, I'm actually, as a Christ one, I'm supposed to partner with him. How many of you know he both gives you power to address the issues, but he gives you eyes to see the issues in the first place? So he's actually commissioning me then to identify in this earth the things that don't belong, that don't measure up to his standard, which is presented in heaven. We all right? In the beginning, the entire earth and all of its systems were subject to futility. That's what the Word of God tells us. What does that mean? It means that sin messed up everything. Then we're given this commission. Now, I'm getting ahead of myself a little bit. We're given this commission to go and preach the gospel to all of creation. But what does it mean? Have you ever thought about that? What's it mean to preach the gospel to all of creation? Like We're talking about what, like cows? <laughs> cows and sheep, like dirt and trees? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think so. And, and not to exclude human beings, by the way. And just in case somebody was like, okay, I'll go intercede in any field. You just point me in the direction. I will pray for those cows. Prayed for a lot of cows when we were in India. <laughs> yeah, he's, pray for all of creation. Why? Because the earth itself was subject to futility. The earth itself came under the corruption of the original Adam. But how many of you know that Jesus did something about it? And he's commissioned us then to go out into the place where he's already done something. He's already redeemed it all. It's still in the turmoil of battle. He's commissioned us then with the authority of heaven. Remember, all authority has been given me. Now go. Now go into all of the earth. Go make disciples, right? So all authority has been given to me, and I'm now giving you all authority in this earthly realm to go as my ambassadors to identify that which was corrupted by the original sin of man, to identify it with your eyes, and then to actually begin to do something about it. One of the tools that we utilize to do something about it is the tool called prayer. We alive? prayer. Jesus teaches how to pray. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus, there's this injustice at work. I release justice over the situation and righteousness over my boss, and I bless them to walk under the covering that I provide in this place as a, as a Christ one. 
I blessed them. I blessed this atmosphere not to be a depressive atmosphere because how many of you know there are no depressed people in heaven? Right? We, we, we use our eyes, we use our spiritual discernment to discern that which was corrupted by sin and the earth. And we stand with him with the power, the authority, and the tools, prayer in this case, and righteous living, which we just discussed. We can't look like them. We have to look like Jesus. Right? So with my righteous living, they'll glorify God. And I'm identifying with my eyes that which is broken and out of whack. And I'm partnering with him with this authority and with this power to pray and to actually see change happen. How many of you know Jesus is never going to call you to pray, my kingdom come, my will be done on earth as it is in heaven, unless he believes that it's possible for his will to actually be done here. Right? He's not the kind of God that's like, <laughs> I'm going to just keep these guys running on the treadmill for a little while. <laughs> like, but they are never going to get there. But I've got this genius way to get them to produce for me. How, that's, not, that's not God. That's not what he does. If Jesus said, no, pray like this, then Jesus is saying, you can have the answer to this prayer. I'm suggesting it's more than just the answer to the prayer. I'm suggesting it's another facet of the commission being expressed redemptively in the New Testament. You were commissioned to multiply, to subdue, to rule and reign, to expand the kingdom of God across the earth, to make disciples. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven is is a bit of the blueprint that fills in the gaps for how in the world do we do that? And what's it supposed to look like? So let me just make some obvious leaps for you. Uh, Is there sickness in heaven? There's no sickness in heaven. Thus, you and I are called to do something about it here. Uh, Are there demons in heaven? No, they were cast out of that place. Is that right? They were cast out of that place, and I'm supposed to look at that place as the model for what to do in this place. If they were cast out of there, well, then he's given me authority to cast them out of here. Right? I mean, what about broken people, soul wounds, issues? Is that in heaven? You think all that stuff's straightened out up there? Right. So you and I have been commissioned and given, the, given authority. Listen, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to tell you, I, I, I value inner healing and sozos and all of these things that we do. They are so important. They're so valuable. But you know what? I think there's a day that God would have for us where we can just go, you're not welcome here jealousy and anger. And I'm not talking a spirit. I'm talking a soul wound. And you go, be healed in Jesus' name. And they are forever different because you spoke with the power and authority of heaven. And you identified that which does not belong in a Christian. And you did something about it. And God said, that's what I'm looking for. I'm looking for somebody to show myself strong on. Sickness, brokenness. How about poverty? pretty tough to have poverty in a place with golden streets. So we get commissioned and charged to do something about it. To identify the weakness, the brokenness that exists in our communities and to begin to target it in the place of prayer. And I would add again, and righteous living. What's righteous living as it relates to this? Giving generously like my father. (laughs) You know, you can break yokes just just by sowing money. You know, this last, I think it was this last year, we, we gave money to a couple of churches in our community, you know, just because we believe in kingdom. That's what we're talking about today. Because <laughs> we believe in kingdom and we wanted to support what they were doing. When I wanted, in, one, in one case, we wanted to help them in their time of need. You know? You can break yokes of disunity. You can break the barriers of the demonic and strongholds by actually just being generous like your father and giving your money away. We can break issues of of poverty and soul wounds and and anger issues and all that just by being like our Father and giving our money away. See, it's not as hard as it sounds. We pray, we act like Him, and we transform our spheres of influence. But it is an intentional process, which again is why we've filtered it into our Destiny Group program. You know, gone are the days, church, when we say, well, I'm just going to, I'm just going to, what's that, the... Some saint somewhere got coined the phrase something like, I'm going to live my life and when necessary, I'm, I'm going to live my life well, but when necessary, I'll preach the gospel. Is that how do you say it, Todd? It was him, idiot. Just joking. 
if necessary, use words. Uh, that is absolutely wrong. And if you actually go historically, St. Francis did not believe that. He did not believe what we have turned it out to be. Because this was a man who preached the gospel like he was on fire. Okay? So this isn't an excuse to just go, well, I'm just going to live really good because they're going to glorify my father for my good works. No, you have to open your mouth also. See, we have to actually intentionally disciple people. We have, to be, we have to intentionally engage our sphere. We have to intentionally employ the tool that we've been given, that is prayer. We have to pray for the lost people that are around us, and we have to build bridges of opportunity for the gospel's sake. Listen, do you know that this is part of the reason why you're still here? We were just talking and praying this morning about our, about our comfort zones and like the sense in which it's like, I want to love myself more, love myself more, love myself more, right? And which I know that every one of us in here can identify with. Part of loving God is laying my life down and like stepping into this commission, being intentional in my sphere. It says that he is not like slow as we believe him to be, but he is actually gracious, like waiting for everyone to come into the kingdom who could possibly come into the kingdom. And he's doing that through you. He's doing it through us. Listen, at any moment, God could stand on Mount Everest with his head in America and his feet in Nepal, right? And go, let me clear the record once and for all. How many of you know he's not doing it? He's not going to do it. He's never done it. It's us. It's who we have to be intentional. We've got to be about our Father's business. Like this is what it looks. This is the commission of God. It's why we're still here. He is calling us to be His hands and feet, His mouthpiece, to be the faithful ones. To kind of go. You know what? I love God more than absolutely anything. I love Him more than my own fear and uncomfortability. I'm going to preach that gospel because he's worthy of it. This is part of the expression of that kingdom, and it's part of your commission as a Christ-centered people. Are we getting this today? Hey, look, we're doing good on time. Let's take a look at the second commission. And I think this commissioning out of Mark begins to help as well to fill in the gaps and to speak to this overall sentiment that I've been t- describing, that we are ambassadors of heaven from a different place. We are called to look different, to be different, to think different, and to move in power, identifying those things on earth that are not consistent with those things that are in heaven, okay? Let's look at this together. Matthew, or rather Mark chapter 16, verse 15. It says, <clears throat> go into all of the world and preach the gospel to all of creation. There's the missing link on Matthew 28. Go and make disciples. Of who? Those who I've preached the gospel to and who have said yes. Are you, are you seeing it now? It's not to be left out. Go into all of the world, preach the gospel to all of creation. Yes, the dirt too. <laughs> We've all seen the George Otis Jr. revival videos. You know, I want to see carrots like my arm again, you know? If you haven't seen those, go look it up on YouTube. Verse 16. He who has believed and has been baptized shall be saved but he who is disbelieved shall be condemned. These signs will accompany those who have believed. In my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will pick up serpents, and if they drink any deadly poison, it will not hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. We've talked a little bit already about preaching the gospel to all of creation. You know, it's time to set the captive of creation free. Everybody. Nope, that's not true. You're blessed. My cow's sick. Nope, that's not true. Your cow's blessed. Let's go lay hands on that thing. Why is it blessed? Because it's in your house, and your house is the king's domain. And in the king's domain, there is no sickness. You all right? Come on. Well, I don't know. My fields aren't producing right. There's something weird about them. Then go stick your hands in that soil and declare the finished work of the cross over it. Plead the blood of Jesus over this soil. Right, like this may sound crazy to people out there, but it's all right, it's truth. <laughs> Gotta plead the blood of Jesus over this thing. You will produce the fruit without toil and sweat, without thickets and thorn. You will produce an abundant harvest in Jesus' name, right? We're speaking to creation. It's under, it's, it's under my authority because God has given it to me. If God's given it to me, it's in the king's domain. And in the king's domain, those things should not be right? Preach that gospel to all of creation. We doing good? Or is this just like wacky new stuff for you? 
And we see here again, he who has believed, who has believed, like these signs will follow them. Uh, have you ever considered the question, believed what? Believed what? Because if it's the simplified American gospel that we're called to believe, that says that, that Jesus made a way for me to get to heaven someday, and just hold on, eventually, you know, either Jesus is going to come back and you're going to hit the eject seat and fly away with him in the wind, like, or you're going to die and go to heaven, and either way, like, that's where your victory is, like, but, you know, between now and then, you're going to slog it out, and it's going to be miserable, and, and right? Like, that's, the, that's the basic whittled-down American gospel. Uh, if that's what it's suggesting that we're to believe here in this context— then why don't most evangelicals have all the things that are on this list as an expression of their Christianity? If I'm just called to believe in Jesus, by the way, even the devil believes in Jesus, I would, I would wager more than you. <laughs> he was with him in heaven, saw it all, you know? If, if it just takes believing in Jesus, then why doesn't everybody have the, thing, the supernatural things that are on this list? So I would suggest to you that it's, it's more than just the belief that Jesus was the Son of God. It's the belief that Jesus actually restored us to this original commission. That he released his Holy Spirit to empower us, not to live like ordinary humans, but to live like he lived and to do the works that he worked. How many of you know it says, you're going to do the works that he did, greater works than these you will do, Right? So it's not just believing that Jesus was the Son of God that came to take away the sins of the world. It's believing that the Son of God said it was better that He leave, that He was going to send the Holy Spirit to inhabit you in the same way in which He was inhabited, the Lord of all on the inside of you, empowering you with resurrection life in the very same way that we saw in the life and ministry of Jesus Christ when He walked the earth. Like That's what you actually believe. Some people have coined this the full gospel. Like, no, like, you're preaching part of the gospel, but you're leaving out some details here. Listen, church, you have been recommissioned and given authority to address the things on earth that don't look like the things in heaven and to utilize the tools of your righteous living, your righteous thinking, your righteous prayer to impact change and transformation in the earth such that this place begins to look like that place. And then he begins to give us a list just in case we're confused about some things, right? And on the list it says that you're going to speak, I think the first one is cast out demons, right? You know, so you're going to cast out demons. How many of you know we need to begin to pray for a greater dose of spiritual discernment or the gift of the discerning of spirits? Because there's a whole lot of crazy stuff happening behind the scenes, dictating stuff in politics and churches and religion and communities, and we're completely ignorant to the devices of the enemy. Since we fight not against flesh and blood, well, no, not if you're in the Christian social media church. That's all we do is fight flesh and blood. We fight not against flesh and blood, but we fight against these powers of darkness. Right? We fight against these principalities in the heavenly realms. There is a very real demonic realm. And Jesus Christ, because of his death, burial, and resurrection, has released to you power and authority to be able to discern it and do something about it. It's not spooky, scary stuff. It's the reality of the real Christianity we've been called to walk in. You'll speak with new tongues. I'm not going to jump into a big teaching on any of these. I'm just barely touching on it. But the Bible calls it that there is a gift of the, the uh, how does it say, a diversity of tongues in one translation. Yeah, we, we think of tongues in a very narrow mindset, but there's actually a diversity of tongues that one could be given. And I want to suggest to you for every single individual in this audience and online and everywhere else that this gift is for you. These signs will follow those who well, except for some people, they'll never be able to enter into this. Like, I'm full well aware that Corinthians says, well, does, do, do all speak in tongues? No, not all speak in tongues. There's a diversity of the gift. There's a plurality of tongues. And so if it looks like there's a contradiction, you need to dig a little deeper and discover what in the world he's talking about. In this case, you're saying not everybody will have it. In this case, you're saying if everybody believes, they'll have it. So which is it? Right? Can I submit to you for the sake of simplicity this morning... 
that this gift is available for you. And it's a gift that's been released to us to bring in, to usher in the kingdom of God, both on the inside of us, in the sense in which it says that it's to build up ourselves, to build up our own spirits and our most holy faith. Right? So it's ushering in the kingdom of God on the inside of me. Oh, I'm feeling sad today. Pray in the Spirit for 30 minutes. <laughs> because you're going to partner with the Holy Spirit to pray exactly what you need to pray, but you're also recentering yourself on the plumb line of God, and that depression and anxiety and fear that you're dealing with doesn't exist there. Holy Spirit knows about it. So he's going to begin to take care of it and iron it out of your soul. You're going to be building yourself up in your most holy faith. You're establishing the kingdom of God, which again is the Great Commission on the inside of you, but you can also establish it on the outside of you with this gift as well. You know, I've known missionaries who are praying in the Spirit on the streets of, of a foreign land. It's easy to do that with boldness there because they don't even know if you're American or Swiss or what you are. So they're just praying boldly, and then they come to find out they're actually praying in the Spirit. They're praying in tongues in the native tongue of the people they were going to minister to. And one such story, when they found this out, the, le- the leader of the mission group, he was like, hey, hang on just a second. They got an interpreter and they were like, what are we saying? <laughs> you're going to come and you're going to build a school uh, right over there in that building. You're planting a church for Jesus Christ. You are going to win soul. You know what I'm saying? Like literally he spelled out the entire program of God and the will of God, the blueprint of God for the place that they were going to pray and just see if God would speak about what they were to do as a mission, right? They were praying in the Spirit. It's a missionary tongue. I'm, I'm, I'm diving too deep. <laughs> you can prophesy over each other in a language that's not your own. You can sing a psalm, a worship song over somebody in a language that's not your own. You can pray and intercede over a situation or your family or your kids or your, over your own heart in a language that's not your own. It's a multifaceted gift, and it says it's available to every single one of you. You'll pick up deadly serpents and drink poison. None of it's going to hurt you. Okay, like this isn't an invitation to play with snakes on Sunday morning. <laughs> Just be like, mm, it's not going to hurt me. You know, many of presumptuous pastors have died doing some stupid act of, you know, presumption, not faith. That's, that's, that's not what it's talking about here. But I will say this. We did see it physically fulfilled in the life of the Apostle Paul, didn't we? The Apostle Paul, he's on this island. A viper leaps out of the fire, latches onto his arm. It's a deadly viper. He should have died. And it became a sign and a wonder to the people of that island when he didn't die. And it opened the door wide open for the gospel to be preached and many were saved and healed. Okay? So we see it physically. I would suggest to you there is a physical dynamic to this thing. And you see Paul who's on mission and that mission would not be thwarted by the enemy or natural causes or anything. God's will was going to be done in that man's life because the Psalm 91 God was big enough to protect him and to keep him on course. How many of you know that same God is big enough to keep you on course and to protect you as well? And that's kind of the, uh, the preface to the next part of it, which is the spiritual dynamic. I, I believe what it's talking about here is the sense in which we're protected from the demonic. I mean, when we're on point, we're on mission, we are submitted to God. God has your back. He's going to keep all the creepy crawlers. This is why we have a shield of faith. All the fiery darts of the enemy, ping, ping, just bounce right off. Man, when I'm in God, that's all the enemy can see is him, not me. There's protection available. Lastly, we will lay hands on the sick and we will see them recover. Why? Because there's no sickness in heaven. Because we've been charged to identify on this earth the things that should not be. And we've been empowered by the same Holy Spirit that Jesus walked with to address those issues. You know, we have hundreds of healing testimonies here. I've got a filing case downstairs just, just absolutely just chocked full of them. The last couple of years, we've not done a great job keeping the testimonies, but I've got stacks of index cards of the stuff that God's done. Why? Because we believe we've been commissioned by God to identify the things that shouldn't be, sickness shouldn't be. And so with the authority and the commissioning and the power of heaven, we take authority over that thing and we see results here. How many of you are glad for that? Can you see this? You have been, like this is, again, we're talking about the core value of kingdom. Like why is this a core value? It's a core value because it's at the core of how we're supposed to experience Christianity. And I say in America, but I just mean in general. 
Uh, the reason I wanted to say America is because in so many ways we're in stark contrast to what is actually available to what we've been commissioned to do. We've been called to operate as God's authority in this place. All authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. Now go. Mark, preach the gospel. Matthew, make disciples. Fix all the broken stuff along the way. Merge them together, right? You've been reinstated to the original commission of God. And I would suggest it's far, like enough time has passed. Remember that scripture? It talks about the, all the things of the world. It says, man, enough time has passed for you to have been doing, indulging in all that crazy stuff. It's time now to get about the Father's business. Church, I think that's where we're at. It's time to get about the Father's business. It's time to lay hold of this commission to partner with power, with authority, and obedience, and boldness, to go out of these doors, out of these four walls, and bring transformation to our sphere. I want to remind you of our basic process. Identify lost people in your sphere. Begin to pray for them. How many of you know prayer is powerful? Right? But I want to warn you that your prayer will likely position you to be the answer but come on, isn't that what we're looking for? <laughs> you know, isn't, aren't we looking to position ourselves that God would use us to save people? Man, is there, any, like, is there any deeper cry on the inside of you than to see people saved in Jesus, like given the honor of people going, yes, I'm in. We're to pray for the lost in our sphere. We're to engage them personally and look and pray for opportunities to bridge them with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Some of that could be inviting them to church. It could be inviting them to your small group. It could just be inviting them out to coffee and saying, hey, I just, I just want to do it. I've been praying for you, and I want to let you know there's more. It could be simple. Like, you don't have to start with, and in the beginning, God. You're like, oh my gosh, what is this? Like, it could just be simple, right? Is there anything that I could be praying? I've been praying for you. Is there anything specific? Like, just begin to bridge for the gospel. Begin to show up in a way that is distinctly different from the world, and they will see your good works, and they will glorify your Father in heaven, and we will fulfill this commission. Amen? Father, we're asking for your strength. We're asking for the empowerment of your Holy Spirit. Would you stir us up again? We're asking that you would move us out of complacency, that you would move us out of self-centered Christianity, that you would move us out of the Americanized Christianity that kind of just, you know, goes to work and goes home and we're tired and we're trying to raise kids and basically the gospel's on the shelf. Help us, Jesus. We are still here because we're your hands and feet. We're your ambassadors. We're asking, like Isaiah, use us. Here we are, God. Send us. Send us to our neighbors, our friends, our family. Help us, Jesus, to carve out. Remind us, Holy Spirit. We're giving you permission. Remind us. You know, be, be relentless in your nagging of us, if you will. That's what it takes. Remind us to pray for our neighbors, to pray for our loved ones, those who are unsaved around us in our sphere. Help us, Jesus. And I'm asking for an extra measure of boldness to fall on your people that we could fulfill that which we were created to do, that we would step into the fullness of your power and authority to do this commission, to multiply, subdue, and expand your kingdom across the face of the planet in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. If you would like to contact us or would like more information about our church or additional podcasts or resources, please visit us online at harvestwarrensburg.com. We hope to see you soon.